Dr. Alan Leica here, and I'd like to welcome you to How to Live a Fantastic Life Show, where we will be discussing the important aspects of your life. We hope to inspire you to live the best life you can. Get out of your comfort zone and explore the awesome world around you. Break through your barriers. Take inspired action. Use the difficulties in your life to achieve the best version of you. Ladies and gentlemen, I am very pleased with our next guest. His name is Mike Meyer, and he's worked in the family business of Meyer Music since 1966 in Blue Springs, Missouri. Uh, Meyer Music currently has six Meyer members in it, and they've been representing three generations. He opened the Overland Park branch of Meyer Music in October 1992 and is responsible for all the work in, in, for all of their work in Kansas. But he's also a family musician. He also does some amazing charity work with that. And this is why I wanted Mike on here, because he offers a different perspective on business than almost anybody else, because he's in a family business rather than a Fortune 500 company or something like that. So he's grassroots. He has the family business with him. And I think this is something people should talk about. So welcome, Mike. Thank you. Thanks so much for having me on. Yeah, I've, uh, I uh, have been in the family business now for, well, I'm 54. So 54 years, I tell everybody I've been with the company. And, uh, you know, just like most people who are in a family business can identify, it starts when you're at birth. You know, I was in the bassinet in my mom's office. And, and uh, so it's been a wonderful ride, though. I, I wouldn't have it any other way. I'm so happy. That's good. So, you were born into the business, but I'm sure there were other things along the way that interested you and you, and you were being pulled this way or that way before you really decided to put all your reins in the family business. Tell me about those. Yeah. You know, I mean, I, honestly, I grew up, as I said, uh, you know, riding my bike from one side of the town to the family store, the school bus would drop us off at the store. So it really was, uh, in my fabric since I was a little kid. Um, honestly, I don't know that I really knew what I wanted to do. I, I ended up, though, in college actually getting a degree in graphic arts. And uh, I think I loved graphic arts because I had always wanted to be an artist and, and I wanted to be able to draw, but I couldn't. And this was a way that I could create and be creative other than music um, and, and just really experience something completely different. So uh, I got my degree in graphic arts and thought I would get out and conquer the world selling printing. And uh, that lasted for four months until the first Gulf War in 1991 happened. And then everybody started not printing things. And so um, I found myself without a job at four months out of college. And I went to another printing company and it wasn't the greatest experience. And so um, I think that was really formative for me. I was really glad that I had those two kind of negative experiences because it really kind of led me back home, which um, I remember my mom and dad saying, you know, hey, why don't you come back and work at the family music store until you can find something else? And, and that's now been 31 years. And, uh, you know, after being there about a week, 
uh, or not even that. I just, I just knew it. You know, we had discussed it every night at the dinner table and, and had been woven into the fabric of our lives so much. It was, it was just what we did. And, and so when I answered the phone call to, for a lady who wanted to rent a clarinet for her daughter, I knew all the answers. And so um, that got me excited. Then the neat part of it was I've been able to bring that graphics background into the business and, and so really utilize it. So I'm really glad I learned it. But uh, yeah, that's kind of the journey of how I got here. You know? Cool. So, so when you use your graphics background, is that to do some of the advertising you do or is that for some of the other things that you do? Yeah, it really taught me about a couple of things, uh, advertising being one of them and how to try and cut through with your, your message, which is very hard. I think any business, large or small, it's the hardest thing you face is trying to get your message through. Um, but the other thing it really taught me was about branding. And um, it's about 20 years ago, um, we've been in business now for 55 years. We start our 56th year on March 4th. Um, we had sold products and mom and dad used to say, get out there to the counter and sell those products, you know, be there when the customer comes in and everything. But then through a series of being, um, having these franchises of products that we had really worked hard to build up and try and sell um, kind of taken away from us when there was a regime change at the corporate level of that company. Well, it really made me step back and say, well, wait a minute, you know, what am I really selling here? So I remember sitting specifically with my brother and my mom and dad saying, you know, we need to stop selling products and we need to start selling Meyer music. And, and uh, of course, my mom just could not wrap her head around what that meant. But in Kansas City, there's a brand of popcorn. And if you said popcorn in Kansas City, everybody's going to say Topsies. Um, there was a, an old guy that was a jeweler named Tibble Jeweler. And then, you know, you look at your national brands like your Starbucks or your McDonald's or those places where people go there because they trust that brand, not because of the products that they sell. They know when they get there, they'll figure out what product they sell they want. But the truth is they go there because of their brand. So the graphics background really helped me understand brand um, mixed in with marketing and advertising. And that's really what changed the face of our company. And I think it put us ahead of our competitors. We have grown the company since my brother and I came into the business at 25 years in, we've grown the company 10 times the size. And uh, I also have a younger sister. She came in about six years later, but we've really done that by focusing on brand and focusing on building trust with our customers because they knew they were buying Meyer music. And if Meyer music endorsed it and was selling it, then it must be good. And so, that's really where those two worlds collided. And so I'm in charge of kind of our digital front facing brand and trying to do social media, which is rapidly changing, you know, um, but trying to stay up on all of that. Yeah. Social media is one of the, uh, the bugbears of all of it. I mean, you can use that and be on a 24 seven and still mm -hmm. not command it because it's such a big presence and such a big thing out there yet. A presence on it is very, very important in order to keep your your name out there and keep everything else out there. And by that, I mean social media by all of its channels. And which channel should people be on these days? 
I guess you got to know your customers pretty well to understand that. I mean, TikTok is probably one of the biggest social media platforms there is these days, even more than Instagram or even more than Facebook. Yet it's one that people shy away from because they don't understand it or try to get into it. I mean, they're cute little videos to some people, but to other people, it's a big business. Absolutely. Yeah, we're trying to wrap our heads around TikTok and, and how do we make the content uh, something that somebody would really want to see? Um, that's the part that's the hardest part of the thing is what what is it that people want to see? And I think it's interesting, too, because when we've done posts, I've done a post where I thought, wow, I really got it here. This one is going to resonate with people. And it, and it didn't. And then something so simple that, you know, we put up gets, you know, uh, 50% more likes and, and views and things like that. So um, it is it is the hardest part of the business, I would have to say. And then also, you know, be careful what you wish for, because once you start creating content for it, it's a beast that you have to keep feeding. And, uh, yes. and that's very, very difficult when you're a small family business to navigate. So we are... Um, we're in the midst of kind of transition where our parents are, are aging out of the business and, and my brother, and my sister and I are running more of it. And so we're, we're trying to, before we really jump too fast to the strategy, figure out the strategy first. Um, so hopefully in the next 12 months, there's going to be some really new um, good things happening that will keep us cutting through. Cause again, like I said, cutting through, that's, the, that's the creating the contents, the easy part, getting people to watch it, listen to it, react to it. That's the hard part. Oh, exactly. And, and there's always the question, uh, you know, what is the business you're in? Is it you know, so that the answers will be the music business. But what does that mean? Does that mean the instruments? Does that mean the teaching people how to play the instruments? Does it mean the whole gamish with it? Does it mean supporting the big bands that that need your instruments? Does it mean supporting the small bands that need your instruments? So what business are you in? And that's a tough question to answer. Yeah, it is. And it's kind of an all of the above for us. You mentioned a lot of the segments and things that we're into. Um, I think for us, it's trying to the biggest thing we focus on is trying to start that experience early. Um, so our target customer is seven, six years old to 14. And then at 14, they're way too smart for, for us, or at least they think they are. But um, you know, we want to start that process early. So between our three locations in Kansas City, we give pre-COVID, we give about 2,200 music lessons a week. Um, so trying to get that experience started with the student at six, six years old and then you're building that brand trust along the way. So then when they come back and they need that instrument, well, then we're there with the instrument. And if they, and then when they're in a program where you do quite a bit of rental business and things like that, and they need support in the form of t-shirts because we're going on a trip, well, then we support those things. So we try really hard to not only focus on product, but experience really early. Um, and, and then building and making sure that that experience is a positive one because once that parent feels trust with you, then you're the logical choice to come back to. It's kind of your business to lose, if you will. 
So that's kind of where we, we really focus. Yeah. Those are huge things. And those are huge insights that you've had. You know, your customer is the child and the rest of the business falls in line from there. It's not that you're targeting the, the 60 year old or the 50 year old or the 30 year old. You're basically targeting the child so that they become your customer as they grow older. Yeah. Yeah. And then we'll hopefully, you know, we figure that we will see about, you know, anywhere from, you know, two to, to seven different purchases, sizable purchases across that period if we do it properly, you know. And then on top of that, if we're supporting the local programs and trying to make those stronger, then that, you know, rising tide will lift all boats too. So, but yeah, it's, you definitely have to identify your customer. And we regularly use the term, that's not our customer. You know, uh, people will come in and, and they are, they are the internet's customer, but they are not my customer. And I can try and do everything I can do until I'm blue in the face to make that person happy and have that them be my customer. But the truth is they won't. And so I'm going to focus on and put my efforts between, behind the people that are my customer. Yeah. And, and I think that's really in, in the age of the Internet, you know, when it first really started, the whole idea was you had your funnel had to go wider. Right. And, and we actually took the contrarian view and, and made our funnel more narrow and focused. And um, if we lose and we're narrow and focused, then I guess somebody outsmarted us and outplayed us. But we want to be as the best person in that category, targeting that customer. Yeah, That's the difficulty you have in this day and age in that if people are buying by price alone, they undoubtedly can get something someplace off the Internet cheaper. But as far as service, as far as help, as far as other things around it, they can't beat your group if they so want that. Yeah, yeah, that's very true. You know, and and uh, when you're if you are building your your brand on a price game, well, that that's very hard to retain those customers long term. Uh, because typically they left you, they left someone else to come to you because you were cheaper. And the minute someone else is cheaper, they're going to leave you too. So, um, you know, we, we have never focused on trying to be the cheapest guy. We've tried to be the best guy. And, and if we do that right, you know, then people will continue to come back. And here we are 55 years later. So it's continuing to work. Yep, that's huge. So what's the best part of being in a family business and the worst part of being in a family business? I, you know, even on its worst day, I, I would take it over what I see most people have to go and do for a job. I, the best part is I can call my mom and dad um, anytime to ask them for advice. And, and, you know, I've got somebody with 50 years of experience to help calm me down, talk me in off the ledge, maybe give me a little direction. Um, I love working with my brother and my sister um, because, you know, we really have this, this dynamic between the three of us. My sister is very conservative, but my brother is very aggressive and I'm really kind of in the middle. Um, But, you know, a lot of businesses start their sentence with, you know, down the street, they're doing this. 
we should do that. And we have always taken the, the look of, you know, we don't start with that sense. Our sentences start with, wouldn't it be cool if we could do this? Nobody's doing that. That would be really cool. So I'm very, very lucky that I live and work within a family that, you know, mom and dad are kind of foot on the brake and the three of us are foot on the gas. Uh, but being able to work with them, share the successes, have somebody to lean on when there's failures, as there inevitably are, you know, um, that's the that's the best parts of it. Worst parts, you know, I, I'm my son now works for me, and um, I now realize what it was like for my parents <laughs> when when I was working for them because he's come in with a lot of ideas and things that that weren't fleshed out or thought through, or he's been very passionate about, you know, and um, we've had to kind of work through them together. So, you know, there's spirit to debate. We, we've never, my mom and dad never let us talk over each other in meetings. There's never been any cursing and there's never been any personal talk about anybody, their themselves, their family, anything like that. So we have avoided, you know, the major pitfalls that most family businesses get into because it becomes too personal. Um, and, and then that's where they start to go sideways. We just weren't allowed to do that. So it's not really in our DNA to make, to fight like that, you know? Yeah. I've heard of some real estate businesses where there were four brothers in it and then they destroyed the company by infighting with them. Now that's a nasty thing when that happens. Yeah. Well, and, and my parents, uh, watched ironically, the largest music company in the United States was at one time headquartered in Kansas city where we are from. And that business went by the wayside. And from what my parents said, uh, that was before my time, but it was not only, it wasn't necessarily the family members that started the problems. It was the spouses of the family members that started the problems. And so that's where a lot of the stuff starts to go sideways. So, um, we're lucky that we've kept it. We have a really good family dynamic. Um, and I think everybody respects the boundaries and then it doesn't become personal and you don't, you know, you don't destroy your company. But for me, it's just, again, now at 55 years, you know, I want to see it go another 55. I probably won't be here doing it. You know, maybe my son will be, hopefully somebody will be, but, um, but just working with family is just, in my book, it's great. It's what it really drives me. It's one of the things I love the most about it. Cool. So, so let's talk about your charity work and how you've integrated that in your business and how that's become a bit of a focal point of your business as well. Yeah, it's, it's funny. Um, I don't think when I started the charity that I had any idea that it would do what it has done, become what it's become or resonate with people the way it has. Um, but what we do is, uh, so our family business, we work with 60 school districts in about a hundred mile area around Kansas City from economically the top to economically the very bottom from inner city to the rural communities. So we really see the full, in my opinion, kind of cross section of America uh, across the schools that we serve. And Inevitably, every year, students would come in to rent music instruments, and they would not be able to afford to rent the instrument, which meant that they wouldn't be able to participate in a school music program. 
Now, having had to sit across from those families and tell them no and see the look on the child's face and see the embarrassment on the parent's face and the frustration, it was not, it was definitely one of the, the darker spots of having to do business. It wasn't much fun. So about 12 years ago, I was approached by a local television station saying that they wanted to do something to help the arts. They knew that schools were cutting arts programs and they wanted to do something about it and start a community program, but they didn't really know what to do. So they pitched the idea of, well, we'll start a fund and if a school needs new band uniforms, we'll buy them or sets for a musical or we'll buy them. And I said, well, I think those are great ideas, but I think that collecting money is not as easy as anybody thinks. And then secondly, I think that you don't really know how expensive band uniforms or sets for the musical are. They're very, very expensive. But I have this idea. You know, my family's been selling music instruments in this town for, at this point, 45 years. I know there's a lot of them sitting in a closet not doing anything because the student played it in high school and then they went on maybe to college and didn't play it anymore. I sit across from every year and I see that student that needs it. If I can just connect those two dots, we can solve a problem. And so they loved the idea. And so we decided that we would start collecting music instruments. And when we have a student that can't afford one, we'll just give them an instrument so they can be in the program. We thought if we did 50 instruments the first year that we would be having a really big year and we could impact 50 students and it would be really great. We're now 12 years later. We've given away over 2,850 instruments to kids and schools. And um, part of that is included. We, we do a partnership with Guitars for the Troops and the Wounded Warriors program um, where the guitars that we collect are passed through to them. And then we started a scholarship program to help those same students be able to go to have a summer music camp experience or participate in a school band trip or orchestra trip. And so we have done that 350 times. So we've helped over 3000 students in this last 12 years that would not have had a music opportunity otherwise. And um, it's really permeated our business, totally changed the culture of our business uh, because our our employees see these students frontline, you know, right there at the counter. And oftentimes it's our employees that are handing that student the instrument. And it really gave them a, a real sense of purpose coming to work. They really felt good, not only that they were helping somebody else, but they felt good about who they were working with. And that, that the family was not just about making money, but it was about returning money back into the community in a, in a non-traditional way. So super excited. We've had, you know, a community Im impact of about $1.8 million uh, in Kansas city. Um, and we are connecting, you know, Susie's clarinet that she played in high school to, to Johnny who now wants to do it here. And so it's, it's been really, really cool. Mike, time is flying by on the show, and this show is called How to Live a Fantastic Life. So, Mike Myers, how do you live a fantastic life? Ooh, that's a that's a deep question. But, um, you know, I, I kind of approach my business career and my personal career and now my charitable career with let's find out and focus on what the person standing in front of me needs and let's help them get there as fast as we can. And so whether that's a customer, 
Um, I'm not worried about what I will make on the sale. Of course, I like to make money and I like to be able to, to have a nice life, but I'm more concerned with how do I find out what that person needs and help them get there as quickly as I can. Uh, that when you kind of take the money part of it out and just really focus on trying to do good for someone else, I think that really helps you live a fantastic life. So right now, you know, I don't know anybody who's living a more fantastic one than I am. I mean, I've got a, I've got a business that I love. I work with my family that I love and I've been able to help 3000 kids that would, would not have been helped. So I think, I think that's how, at least that's worked for me. So I don't know whether that's the right answer, but that's my answer. You know, Mike, there is no right answer to this question. What the right answer is the right answer for you. And you've said that very well. And that's why I like that. So here's the flip side of that question. And that is, how do you recommend others find that life? The same life that you've gotten to? Well, I think the same way. Just focus on... Um, the successes in creating and, and, you know, I look, I have not succeeded at everything that I've done and, and I love the term fail fast. You know, I mean, if you're going to fail, get, get to it and then learn from it and, and, and move on. So look at the failures as, as experiences and learning opportunities. And I would say, you know, focus on finding your passion. And if you can find something that is your passion that you can combine in some type of ability to help someone else that that will help you avoid not living a happy life. I mean, I think you will, I think you will just feel the energy back. I'm a big believer in the universal law of reciprocity. You know, you get back 10 times what you give. Uh, so I think that's what I would tell people just focus on the give and, and be smart, but, you know, try and help others. That's huge, Mike. Well, Mike, we're at our end already. So how can people get in touch with the world of Mike Myers? Maybe your store or, or your books or, or whatever you'd like to point them to. You know, uh, the store is MeyerMusic.com, M-E-Y-E-R, uh, music.com. Uh, the charitable thing is the thing that most people are interested in. And, and, you know, if you have an instrument sitting in a closet somewhere and you're not doing it, can ship it to us. We'll make sure it gets to do something good. Um, or, you know, if you're looking for a charitable place to help students and music, uh, it's a great place. So bandofangels.org is the name of the charity. Um, and, um, you know, we'd be thrilled to have people interact with us if they, if they find that they need, uh, you know, either one of those things. That's huge. Well, thank you, Mike, for spending this time with us. It's really been a pleasure to get to know you. And thank you for sharing your wisdom with us. Well, thank you very much for having me on. I hope that this, uh, I hope these words find and resonate with somebody somewhere. And, and uh, I just feel honored that I got an opportunity to share them. Thank you very much. Ladies right. and gentlemen, I hope to talk to you soon. Bye for now. You've been listening to How to Live a Fantastic Life. Be sure and pick up a copy of Dr. Leica's book, The Secrets to Living a Fantastic Life, on Amazon.com. And you'll want to subscribe right here on this page so you don't miss a single episode. Have a fantastic day. Fantastic.